Father, there are so many times in our lives when we need to remind ourselves of the truth. Because we're in the middle of things, we're in the heat of the battle, we're in the middle of life and everything it brings to us. It's hard to remember those things. It's hard to remember the truth sometimes. So we remind ourselves that your love never fails you never give up on us, that you never walk away from us, that any of the times in our lives when you have been distant, it's because we've walked away from you, not vice versa. And we are so thankful that there is no end to your love, that there is no bottom to the well of your grace, and that your mercy is new every morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And now it is our prayer in these next few moments that you would quiet our hearts, that you would clear our minds, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit from the Word today. Strip away everything that is not you so that we can hear your voice. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. I wanted to... uh, Just take a moment and bring you up to date on one of our families here at Moss Brook who needs our prayers this morning and over the coming days, and and it actually kind of leads into what I wanted to share with you this morning, but on Thursday afternoon, I drove to Boston to see Danny and Teresa Swain. Maybe not all of you know Danny and Teresa, but I know that some of you do. And uh, Teresa was just diagnosed this week with acute leukemia, and she is down at Mass General Hospital in Boston. Uh, Teresa is 51 years old. And I went down, and we spent uh, an hour and a half there talking, and we were talking about the treatment and the things that were going to be happening and how she was feeling, but most of the time we spent talking about how we deal with things like this in our lives. What do we do with this? How do we process it? Uh, Danny and Teresa love God. They love the Lord. They want to do what's right. They want to honor him through all of this. How do we do that when our lives get torn apart. One week ago today, life was normal for Danny and Teresa, and now everything is turned upside down. Please be praying for Danny and Teresa and their family for God's grace and strength over these coming days. When we face these things, we all want to know Why does God allow pain and suffering in our lives? Why would a loving God do this? Because we sing songs like the one we just sang, right? What were we singing? His love never fails. He never gives up. He never gives up on us. The verses that Melody read for us before we sang the song, that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, and yet... Why do these things happen? I know that some of you are new to our family since then, but for those of you who are around back in October, we spent three weeks talking about Joseph's story 
from the book of Genesis, and we talked about God's sovereignty, and we talked about dealing with suffering. If you're familiar at all with Joseph's story, you know that a lot of horrible things happened to Joseph, none of which were really his fault. (laughs) He didn't really deserve them. He was abused by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into prison. Didn't really deserve any of those things, but as we walked through his story, we saw that God did some amazing things in Joseph's life and through Joseph as a result of all of this. And at the end of Joseph's journey, at the end of the book of Genesis, you can look at it sometime, Joseph looked at his brothers, the ones who had horribly mistreated him and seemingly set all of these terrible things in motion in his life. He looked at them and he said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And I believe that God's greatest desire for us is good. His greatest desire for us is our good. His greatest desire for us is not our comfort. It's not our ease. It is our good. So we have to wrestle with What is good? And who determines it? How does it work in our lives? When we did that series in October, I was left with a big pile of stuff that I wanted to talk about, but we didn't have time to. And one of the verses that I wanted to look at, which I'm going back to today, these six months later, five months later, is Romans 8.28. Now, Romans 8.28 is a fairly well-known verse. Some of you already know what that verse is just by me mentioning the reference, and others of you will recognize it when I read it for you. But I want us to walk through this verse because it has to do with this whole conversation of why does God allow pain and suffering in our lives? Why do all of these things happen if his love for us never fails? And I want us to look at it because this verse is often horribly taken out of context and misused. So we're going to look at it together this morning. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the best way for us to understand this verse is just to start at the beginning and tear it apart phrase by phrase so that we carefully understand what God is saying here. I want you to notice right at the beginning of the verse, he says, and we know. Now, literally, some, sometimes, for those of, many of you know this, some of you maybe do not, that the New Testament was not written originally in English. It was written in Greek, and so what we have is a translation of what was written, and sometimes in the translation, little nuggets get lost that we need to make sure that we recapture. And one of the little nuggets that we lose here is the verb tense. We look at this in our English Bible, and it says, and we know. We know. We just know it. I don't know if you 
have ever tried to tell your teenager something that you want them to know, and they have responded by saying, I know. What do they mean? They mean, I know it already. I have no further need for you to remind me to which you respond, well, if you did it, I wouldn't have to, you know, and that's a whole, and it ends up being this whole situation. But that's what we think of, and we, and we know. We already know that. But what's lost here is the verb tense. Because what Paul is really saying is, and we come to know Over the course of time, we come to know these things. We become aware. Why is that important? Well, friends, it's important for this reason, because this is a process. This is a process. In your life right now, whatever is happening, I don't know. Some of you I don't even know. I've never met you before, so I don't know what's happening in your life. Sometimes you ask Tim, he'll say this. People come up to us after church and say, how did you know I was going through that? I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea. Some of you I may know little tidbits, but I don't know. But what I do know is that it is a common theme for all of our lives that often things are difficult. And we go through hard times. We go through loss or pain or grief or suffering. And I want you to understand, I hope this is encouraging to you, to know that this coming to understand that God works all things together for our good, that that is a process. That you don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, good, it's all good. This is a process. It takes time. Romans 8.28 is not just a verse. Romans 8.28 is a journey. It is a long journey. If you've been here the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of the promises that God gives us in his word. We've been, we been talking about God as the promise keeper. could have added this as another promise on to the end. We've been talking about all these promises. We've been talking about the fact that we must develop a relationship with God. We cannot trust who we do not know. It's a journey. It's a process. Paul says, and we know, for those who love God. Now, this is perhaps the part of the verse that gets ignored. I've heard this verse, uh, and I've heard it been whipped out many times when something has happened, happening, and someone says, hey, all things work together. It's kind of a blanket that we throw over big messes, Right? All things work together. But I want you to notice that Paul says, we know for those who love God, all things work together. Paul qualifies this. And I hope to help you to understand this morning that this reassurance 
this knowledge, this promise is not given to everyone. It's not given to everyone that everything will always work out for good. Paul says those who love for those who love God, that is for those who are actively doing what God desires. Friends, I I, I mean this lovingly and as graciously as I can. But if you are actively living in sin, if you are actively making sinful choices, God is not going to make it all good. James says it this way, for the one who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. God doesn't just look down and say, oh, don't worry about it. You just do whatever you want. I'll make it all right. Now, let me say this. Let me qualify Paul's qualifier. Certainly, certainly, and he has done it in my life, God can use our confession of our sin to work good in us. And certainly for those of us who come to God in faith, toting all of our baggage, right? Picture a big carry-on with wheels and a handle. All the stuff that you haul with you when you come to God, certainly God can take that and he can forgive you for it and he can redeem it and he can use you. Absolutely. That's what grace and mercy is. And I'm so thankful for that. He can restore us and use us. But I do not walk to someone up to someone who is in a mess because they are actively choosing to live sinfully and say, don't worry about any of this. God will take care of it. Keep doing what you're doing. It's going to all work out. No, no, it probably won't work out. It'll probably end up in a disaster. Because that's what happens when we live our own way, when we choose our own desires, when we deliberately go against what we know God is saying is right and true. So we know that for those who love God, all things work together. The phrase all things here means the totality, it means the whole. This word is focusing on the whole picture rather than the pieces, okay? You ever heard the phrase, you know, the sum is, is, is uh, the whole is worth more than the sum of the parts? You know what that means? It means when you put everything together, you have something valuable, much more value than, valuable than just the pile of pieces, and that's what Paul's talking about here. The whole thing, the whole picture rather than the pieces, all of it works together. This is the Greek word that we get our word synergy from. You ever heard the word synergy before? Do you know what that means? It just means cooperation. It means building on the other or each one building on the last. 
If you have little kids or you have grandchildren or had little kids or so on or so forth, then your house was probably like our house at one point. It was full of Lego. By the way, if you ever want an effective deterrent against intruders, simply sprinkle a few small Lego pieces on the floor. If you've ever stepped on one of those things with a bare foot, you know that it's a great deterrent to moving around in the dark. Anyway, Lego. It's been a popular children's toy for decades. If you go down to Disney or Florida there somewhere, there's a whole Lego village where there's huge full-size Indy cars and 20-foot-high models of the Empire State Building all made out of Lego. But if you look at a little piece of Lego, an inch or two long, a quarter of an inch tall, a quarter of an inch thick, it really doesn't look like much. But when you put them all together, you can make something amazing. And that's what Paul is talking about here. That's the picture of all these little things, these seemingly random, unrelated things, but when they're all put together, something remarkable can appear. We need to understand that God uses everything that happens in the life of a Christ follower to build something that is ultimately good and beneficial. All things, he says, work together for good. And we need to pause here for a second to talk about this very important thing. And I want you to hear what I'm saying here because I want you to make sure that you're not misunderstanding what I want you to get here today. Not everything that happens in our lives is good, is it? There are a lot of not good things that happen. When Paul says that God works all things together for good, he is not saying all things are good. All things are not good. Teresa being diagnosed with acute leukemia is not good. Losing a child, losing a spouse is not good. All kinds of things in the world that are not good. It's not that each individual thing is good, but it is when God takes all of those individual things and brings them together that he makes something good. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a mosaic before. How many people even know what a mosaic is or have seen a mosaic? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Mosaics are, are a type of art in which the artist takes thousands and thousands, uh, notwithstanding my lack of artistic talent, I couldn't do this just on a sheer patience level, thousands and thousands of tiny pieces of stone, sometimes it's broken pottery, sometimes it's rocks, whatever it is, and puts it all together to make a beautiful picture. I mean, if you go online sometime and just Google mosaic and click images, amazing pieces of art and pictures. And when you stand back from it and look at it, you say, that's the most amazing picture I've ever seen. It looks like a painting. 
and then you walk up close and you can see that it's all these tiny little broken, sometimes jagged, uneven little things all glued or cemented in to make this beautiful picture. That's not unlike what God does with our lives as his children. He intends for our lives to be a mosaic, all kinds of things that he is able to bring together and work together to make something beautiful. Notice here that he says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together. The next phrase is, for those who are called. Now, the word called here is used 11 times in the New Testament. And each time that that's used, it's used to talk about someone who is chosen by God for a particular purpose. And what I want you to notice here is I want you to see the intention. I want you to notice that God has chosen you for a reason. If you're a child of God here this morning, God has a purpose for your life. One of the things that's most painful about suffering in tragedy, I think, is the fact that it all seems so random. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but when I look at it, I, that's, that's what's so hard about it. It, just seem, it seems so random. Well, why him and not her? Why her and not him? The 7.3 billion people in this world, why did it happen to happen to her? Why did it have to happen right now? If I had left home one minute sooner or one minute later, if I had turned left instead of right, if I had done this instead of that. We can't live like that. We'd drive ourselves crazy. We would, we would be paralyzed. But I want you to see the intention. For those who are called according to his purpose. God has a reason for choosing you and a reason for working in you the way that he is, and using the things in your life the way that he does. I want you to notice that it's according to his purpose. It's God, God's purpose, and it goes to the heart of the gospel because the heart of the gospel is surrendering our lives to God. That's really the question. Do we or don't we? Salvation is not just about going to heaven or not going to hell. It's about living our lives for Christ as his disciples. It's about giving him our lives. And God's purpose for us is that we would become like Christ. It is for us to respond to him and his grace with surrender, to change, to leave self behind, to live God-centered, others-focused lives. That's what Tom was talking about this morning when we opened the service, that our desire is transformation. That's God's purpose for us, life change. The word purpose here is kind of interesting. I don't, 
I, I will try desperately not to bore you with this, but there is a there was a translation, an ancient translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek called the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, there is a word that is used, the same word as is used for purpose. And it was used in the Old Testament. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament and you read in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, you see all the laws that God gave Israel and all the rules for worship. And as he was talking to them about the tabernacle, the tabernacle was a mobile place of worship. They would pack it up and they would move to another spot and then they would set it up so that they could worship God. And the first thing that you saw when you went into the tabernacle was a table. And on the table, there was a pile of bread. Actually, there were two piles of bread. There were two piles of six. Twelve loaves. Each loaf symbolized one of the tribes of Israel. There were twelve families that made up Israel. And this bread was called the show bread. And the bread was always sitting on the table. Now it was used, it was one of the things that the priests would use to eat, but it was always there. When it was ready to be taken so that it could be eaten, 12 more loaves were put there. And when it was ready for those to be eaten, 12 more. So there was always 12 loaves of bread on this table all the time. And the purpose of the showbread was to remind Israel that God was taking care of them, that God was providing for them, that God was going to keep his covenant with them, and that would never change. The bread was always on the table. And this word, it's translated in Exodus showbread, and it's translated here purpose, it literally means to put forward into view. You walked into the temple, and the, tabern- the tabernacle, and then later the temple, first thing you saw, table, bread. It was there, it was put forward into view. And friends, when Paul says, according to his purpose for us. That's what he's saying. He's saying that you, as God's child, are being put forward into view. You see, God does not intend for us to live our lives as Christ followers for ourselves alone, but that we might reach out to those who are around us And so when Paul says, according to his purpose for us, for you, he is saying, you are being put forward into view. God's purpose for all of us as Christ followers is that we would be more like Christ, but he has something specific in mind for each of us as well, how he is going to specifically use us. And he is accomplishing that. He is developing it in us. And when something difficult comes into our lives as a Christ follower, it's not random, it's God's purpose on display, put forward into view. It's a reminder of his work in us, a reminder of his covenant to us. Why has God even saved us? Ephesians 2, 7 says he has saved us so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
God's purpose is to save us, is to change us, is to make us more like Christ. But do you know what else God's purpose is? His purpose is to use you to show his grace to other people. So other people can look at you as you walk through the difficulties and the tragedies and the griefs and the sorrows of life and say, I can see God's grace in there. That's part of his purpose for us. Now, Does that mean that any of this is easy? No. No, it doesn't. Of course not. Does that mean that you're going to understand all this quickly? No. But when we open our hearts and our minds to what God is saying to us, it does mean that we can trust him in the middle of it. And that's really the choice that all of us have, right? This is the choice that we all have. When tragedy strikes, when difficulty comes, when great grief rains down on us, this is the choice that we have. We either choose to blame God and to push him away, or we choose to draw closer to him and say, God, I can't do this without you. That's the choice that we have. Because Romans 28, 8, 28 is a journey. It's a long journey. In fact, it's so long that only eternity is going to reveal all the answers. If you're a Christ follower, God will work all things together for your ultimate good. He will. So what do we need to do in light of all this? What do we... What do we need to know? What do we need to remember? Well, if you can remember, I know it seems like a long time ago, but 20 minutes ago when I started talking, (laughs) I said that one of the tragedies of this verse is that people pull it out of its context. Romans 8 is 39 verses long, and every single one of them is fantastically precious and important. What do we need to know? Well, here's the first thing. You need to know that God is not punishing you. When tragedy strikes, when you're walking with God and tragedy strikes, when grief rains down, you need to know that God is not punishing you. Romans 8.1 says, For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not punishing you. Second thing you need to know, you need to know that all of creation is fatally damaged, including you, and needs to be remade. Because that's what we ask, right? That's what we wonder. When all this stuff goes on, we say, why does this stuff happen? How come people get sick? How come people die? How come accidents happen? Why wars? Why disease? Why famine? You know why? Because all of creation is fatally damaged. And it needs to be remade. And guess who's a part of creation? Me and you. Listen to Romans 8.20. Paul says this, creation, the creation was subjected to futility. 
I love that word. How many of you wake up sometimes in the morning and the only word you can think of is futility? (laughs) I'm fighting an uphill battle and I'm not making any progress. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, well, of course not. I mean, who would, you know, futility is not something you choose. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Oh, I love that last part. All of creation, including me, including you, my mind, my body, everything about me as a part of this world, as a part of this fallen creation, needs to be remade. And when we deal with tragedy in our lives, it is part of the remaking process that will one day be completed when we are with him. Here's the third thing we need to know and remember. Know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Listen to this, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What happens, friends? What happens when we're in the middle of difficulty and grief and tragedy and suffering? What happens? Some well-meaning person comes up to you, someone maybe that you love who wants to do what's right and wants to help you but doesn't know what to say. And then what do they say? They say, you got to pray. And what are you thinking? When you're in the middle of it, you're like, duh. I know I have to pray, but here's the thing. What? (laughs) I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do in the middle of all this. I don't know what to say to God in the middle of this because I don't understand it. Well, if you've ever gotten to that point, then you're just normal. But what do we need to remember? Romans eight twenty six. Oh, friends, listen to me. The Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit prays in ways that we can't even understand. Right now, right now, whatever you're dealing with, the Holy Spirit is praying for you in ways you cannot even understand. Here's the fourth thing we need to remember. And know, know that nothing will ever separate you from God's love. (laughs) Because that's the first thing we think, right? When the difficulty comes, when the suffering comes, is God doesn't, what? He doesn't love me anymore. But what does Paul say? I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We 
need to know that. Is it just me or does anybody else have trouble remembering that sometimes? I do. Friends, listen, sometimes you have to speak the truth to yourself even when you're not sure if you believe it or not. You have to speak it to yourself because you have to remind yourself of what is true. And we could do this for the next hour. But Romans 8.28 that we've been looking at is right in the middle of all of those things that we need to know and remember. So God is reminding us, reminding us, reminding us, reminding us of all these things that he loves us, that creation needs to be remade, that we are fatally damaged, that the Holy Spirit is praying for us, that his love never changes, that nothing will ever separate us from his love. And right in the middle of it, he says, listen, all things work together for your good, according to my purpose, for those of you who are called. It's right in the middle of that. Don't take that out of Romans 8. You leave it right where it is, and you remind yourself of all the truths that are surrounding it. We're going to sing our new song here as we close, The Way. We've been singing it for a couple of weeks. As we do, I want you to consider the lyrics here, because this is just what it's talking about. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, I believe that you are my fortress, my hiding place. Friends, we need to know him so that we can trust him. We need to remind ourselves of what is true. Why don't you stand up with us as we close, as we remind ourselves of what is true. (sighs) Folks, make sure you hear me say this now. I know that none of this is easy. It's not easy for me either. What happens to you as a Christ follower is not random. God intends it for a purpose. And I just want to say one more thing. We said this, we talked about it in October, and I just want to remind you of it because I think about it all the time. God's ways are always good. But you've got to wrestle with it before you can rest in it. Okay? You got to wrestle with it before you can rest in it. It's not automatic. No magic wands, no magic pills. It's a journey. It's a journey of coming to know the one that you can trust. Father, thank you for truth this morning. Sometimes truth is difficult for us to process. Sometimes we're in the middle of life and it's swirling all around us. We feel like we're drowning. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who is the way, he is the truth, and he is our life. And I pray, Father, that you would make your presence clearly known to each one that is here this morning. For those that are Christ followers, for those who are actively living and doing what honors you with your help, not perfectly, for none of us are perfect, but with your help, I pray that you will continue to work your purpose and your plan in their lives. For those that are here without that relationship, Father, may they know that when we come to you and bring all our baggage, you can forgive us, you will forgive us, you can redeem us, and you can use us. 
and you desire to work all things together for our good, according to your purpose, for those of us who are yours. Thank you for this time together. As we go out into this community, help us to be the people you've called us to be. Live that life change that we have experienced and reach out and be showers of grace to those that we work with and live with and that we rub shoulders with every week. We know that's your desire for us as you build your church. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. Have a great week.